Welcome to Adopt Materials. I'm Faye. Hi. And I'm Rachel. Hello. This is a podcast where we're reading through and discussing Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials novels, A Chapter at a Time, spoiler free. In this episode, we're talking about Chapter 11, Armour. since we last recorded it, and the entire world has gone to shit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Breaking news, the world is on fire, and everybody's buying all the toilet roll. Oh, they truly are. We literally just went to the shop, and the Tesco near my flat, and they've replaced where the toilet roll usually was with Easter eggs. Oh my god. I mean, that's kind of... It's also like, the world is burning, but here are Easter eggs. I mean, that's <laughs> cool. That's cool. Um, just everybody quarantine yourselves and eat all the Easter eggs. Yeah. But it's super scary, right? And like, I, it isn't. It's not. It's really hard to tell what's. It's really hard to tell what's going on, isn't mm. it? Because like, the news is freaking everybody out, and there's people that are over minimizing stuff and just being like, Psh, "Well, I'm healthy. I'll be fine," and not thinking about the people around them mm-hmm. and not taking the precautions they should be. And there's people that are like over being over cautious and buying all of the pasta and all of the loo roll. I don't know how that's supposed to help fight off viruses, but... Oh, and just all the hand sanitizer in the world. So the people who need it, like, moms out there that need it, they usually use it for, like, their kids and stuff, mm-hmm. but they can't find it. And yeah. people that are becoming more vulnerable because other people have bought out all the stuff. And it's like, they're overdoing it. I, what, everyone just needs to do the normal stuff. Yeah. And it, everyone should be washing their hands anyway. Yeah, like, please wash your hands. <laughs> we know that you are, but we're just reminding you... But yeah, it's scary. I have wanted to fucking yeet my phone out of the window a million times. I, there was one day last week when all I did was look at social media and it's so not healthy. There's so much misinformation going around. And there's it, there's just, sometimes you just need an hour to not think about the stuff that's happening. The only thing is, though, I was saying to Liam, I was like, but when I don't go on social media, because I, I didn't really use it over the weekend, and I was like, but I miss the memes, because there's a lot of funny memes. There's some great memes out there. <laughs> I'm appreciating there's the, like, hand-washing instructional video. Yes. The one that's the... There's a Buffy meme for that. There's, like... Because they, they... Under each picture on how to wash your hands, there's, yeah. like, a, a different quote, and people have just been using it to break up stuff, and it's like, one girl in all the world. I she is the that. chosen one. It's like, yes. There was great. one... I'll with... say that when I wash my hands. Yeah. I have actually been saying that. It makes you feel very powerful. <laughs> But there's another good one, and it was um, the Bob's Burgers song, Bad Stuff Happens in the Bathroom. Aww. And I, that is a great song, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to use that. And in the, the in the little infographic thing, they've changed the hands, so it's Bob's hands from Bob's Burgers. That's so brilliant. His hands. I was like, it's great. Yeah, but uh, regardless of, of the memes and everything, we hope that you guys are staying safe. Uh, we know that there are some places in the world that are like heavily quarantined right now, so we hope that if you are in one of those places, we hope that you're doing what you can to keep your mental health up, and and we're sending you lots of love and hugs, and we hope that listening to our rambly voices for an hour or so helps in some way. Yeah, we're going to get out of this crazy world and jump into another one that's got its own shit going on. Yeah. The other thing that I wanted to mention on the coronavirus stuff was... Make sure you're supporting like your local artists and small businesses and things like that and small musicians because there's a lot of people that are out of work and that aren't getting the work that they should be because a lot of places are closing and people aren't going out as much. So keep that in mind. And I know that 
we all love Rach and we want her to prosper. <laughs> so I, I am saying that you should go to Rach's shop, which is rachmakes.co.uk, and buy some stuff from Rach. This weekend has been very scary and a bit weird mm. because I went to ToyCon UK, as I mentioned in the last podcast, before the world turned inside out. Mm-hmm. Um, I was saying, you know, ToyCon UK is happening and the whole of the last week we were like, is it going to get cancelled? We don't know. What's happening? You know, I'm there going, well, I usually take quite good precautions at conventions anyway because you're just interacting with a lot of people, touching a lot of stuff. Like, it is just normal practice to have all the, like, hand sanitizer and have you know, take as breaks as regularly as you can get away from the table to go and, like, wash your hands properly in the bathroom mm-hmm. and stuff. But people were kind of panicking and we were really worried the event would get cancelled. It didn't. It obviously wasn't as busy as it could have been. So, like, it's been like, I'll make rent this month. It's fine. Oh, God. <laughs> but um, it's just a scary time because also that's pro- this is probably the last convention I'm going I'm to have done for a while. There's some big ones coming up that I'm really worried about. Loads of artists that I know across, just around the world, all the all the events that they rely on as a massive part of their income is being cancelled. Scary things for the world. So yeah, I'm kind of, yeah, I've got lots of lovely things left over after ToyCon mm-hmm. that didn't find homes that also nobody put their grubby hands on. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, that I'm going to put up in my online shop. I'm going to monitor the situation with like how postage is working around the world mm-hmm. to try and make sure that people get get what they order you know <laughs> yeah it's gonna be interesting but yeah go to Richard's shop and other small businesses and, and things like that support where you can if you are able to and just keep an eye out on the people in your life that are freelancers and self-employed because mm-hmm. lots of people are fortunate enough that their work is remote and they can work from home on their laptops but construction workers people that work in workshops and offices people that work in retail yeah um, are really going to be struggling because their shifts will be getting cancelled and if you're not on a salaried wage it's it's going to be really hard but yeah we're sending lots of love and hugs to everyone good vibes out into yeah. the world yeah be kind to people as well people are people are acting very hostile I think and there's been a lot of stuff flying around when people get scared hostility sometimes comes out so I think don't spread corona, spread kindness. <laughs> wow, you should put that on a sticker. Oh my god, I'll make millions. <laughs> It'll go viral. Oh, oh god. In other news, one of the other things that I, we were going to mention, we mentioned it last time, but by the time the episode came out, it wasn't actually up, but it now is up. Our book club with Felix Trench. Yay. So yeah, if you haven't listened, go and have a listen to that. Uh, Felix was great to talk to um, and we really enjoyed it. And I think we mentioned this last time, but we'll be doing some more of of those. More book clubs. They're a chance for us to have a spoiler-filled chat with Mm -hmm. our friends who've also read the series. So if you you haven't read it, save it for the end. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And also... We also chat about a couple of the new books as well, which I'm slowly catching up on. (laughs) We do. And also, I was just going to say, actually, if there's a big gap in between them, it's because we... I suppose for Book Club, we kind of want people to be in the room with us, right? And that might be a bit more difficult as the months go on. But we'll we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We had a few people lined up that we might need to have a rethink about, but it's fine. It'll be fine. It's fine. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we've also got some potentially quite exciting interviews in the pipework so keep your ears peeled for future updates on that as we're really excited but also don't want to like 
put eggs in baskets or jinx anything. (laughs) We've got two interviews confirmed, but we don't want to tell you who they were with just in case they end up getting moved or when they are just in case they end up getting moved or they don't happen. But we also, yeah, we also want to tell you because we're excited, but then we don't want to get you guys too excited. So consider this as being really teasy and building the anticipation. (laughs) We're truly sorry, but Uh, we thought you'd like to know a little bit rather than nothing at all. You've got some exciting bonus episodes coming up. Yeah. Should everything go to plan? (laughs) So we have a new listener called Lo. Hi, Hello. Hi. Who came to us after listening to uh, my conversation with Girls Gone Canon and the Dark Material podcast. So again, if you haven't listened to that, that is on Girls Gone Canon's feed. And that, again, is very spoiler-filled. It's a discussion of the Secret Commonwealth with all three of the podcasts. And Rich wasn't there because she hasn't read the book yet. And I've been trying really hard not to read too many emails or discussions that have come in phase <laughs> direction. <laughs> Because I'm like, don't, I don't want to spoil it for myself. <laughs> yeah. I just need to catch up. Yes. But being quarantined will probably help with that. That's very true. <laughs> just hide in the corner and read books. It'll yeah. be fine. So, back to what I was going to say. So, um, Lo sent us some great emails, actually. They had, like, re- recently binged the podcast, so they, they've started right back at the beginning. So, they let us know that um, you can actually see the Northern Lights in a bunch of Nordic slash Scandinavian countries like Norway Finland, Sweden, and potentially even Russia, which is exciting. Yeah, we definitely hadn't. It was episode two. We had not done our due diligence no. in Googling anything <laughs> at that I had to apologise to Canada. I'm still very sorry, Canada. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, some God. Northern American states. Yes, we are sorry. Um, and Scotland, apparently, yeah. also. There's so many <laughs> sorry, places. Scotland. <laughs> oh, God, when we can travel again, we're going to have to go and see them. Yes. Life's too short. It is. I feel like we've learned this now. Lo also tried to help us out with um, some pronunciations that we obviously struggle quite a lot with by letting us know that a lot of the names from uh, the North in the book are Swedish, Norwegian or Finnish. And they mentioned a couple that are a bit spoilery, but they did mention that Serafina Pekala, the name is Finnish, which I thought was interesting. Mm. Yeah. They mentioned uh, bits about Lapland, which was interesting and funny to us. And that it's not just where Santa is. We did know it's a real country, but also when we, growing up in Britain, like you don't, geography education isn't super great in the UK or it definitely wasn't in my school. But my main exposure to the idea of Lapland was like watching Children in Need or Red Nose Day and they'd like send kids as like a special trip yes. to Lapland to visit Santa and they'd get to go on like a like a with sled dogs and have this like amazing experience but the big part of it was visiting Santa so for me it was like Lapland visit Santa but I, I do know it's a yeah. real place I promise that is one thing that we did know about geography it might be the yeah. only thing that we know but we did know that we pride ourselves on knowing that Lapland is a real place in the world <laughs> uh, I'll put it on my on my CV she knows that Lapland is a real place yeah Oh my god. Uh, Le also wrote an essay around the use of Lapland in Lyra's world, which is actually really great. I'm not going to go into it because I feel like I'll butcher the point of it, um, but it's a really, really good read and uh, we'll link to it in the description for this episode if you guys uh, want to read it and I recommend it. Uh, Le sent us another email around our use of language in chapter six, uh, where we talk about Lyra on her own on the streets of London. 
So I mentioned that women and those who identify as women don't feel safe, often don't feel safe on the streets. And Le mentioned that saying women and those who identify as women isn't as inclusive as just saying women, which we completely get and yeah. it's totally valid and understandable. Yeah, thank you to Le for saying that. We do try to be as inclusive as possible with our language and we spend a lot of time thinking about and discussing how we want to frame things. So I suppose we just want to say to everyone, if you do have any feedback like that, it's welcome. We will take it on board and we're always wanting to learn. And Yeah, I hope that it's clear that we come to everything with the best intentions. And I think the slip up that happened was like, it was a very well-intentioned slip up because it's going, I don't want to be exclusive. So I'll mention people, but then mentioning people is singling them out. and exclu- It's very, language is super tricky at the best of times. And we we are trying our best. And also we really encourage and accept being corrected on stuff yeah definitely we do do try yeah and Liz's email was really great and that's what i mean when i say we encourage that with that sort of feedback and we we want to learn and we're very willing to so yeah if any of you ever have anything like that that you want to chat about or just tell us about then yeah feel free you can email us it's her.materialspod at gmail.com and, you know, if you want to email us even more about Lapland and the Northern Lights and where you can see them. Oh, God, yeah. We're, we're still always learning about that, too. And you can just email us about anything that you want. Even if, going back to this whole coronavirus thing, if you're if you're quarantined and you're a little bit bored, shoot us an email. Even if you just want to chat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let Any thoughts you have. Or join the Patreon so that you can join the group Discord group because we really want to get that started and we're a couple of patrons away from starting up a big Discord where we can totally all just like share our absolutely yeah we are quarantine setups yes (laughs) aka chocolate stash (laughs) (laughs) yeah we're patreon.com forward slash hdmpod and if you have the means to support us at the minute we would love that if not we obviously totally understand the world is uh, as we mentioned is it's a little bit uh, upside down at the minute, so yeah. But yeah, if you if you do want to join that, it's there, and there's lots of fun stuff, uh, fun extras for you. I'm working on a blooper reel at the minute. It's taken me like a couple of months, but it's <laughs> coming. It's We're coming. <laughs> so, Rich, what is your demon this week? Oh my gosh, uh, I actually I'm not hundred percent sure because I've done. Very appropriately, last week it was a beaver because I've been beavering away making mm-hmm. stuff. Still been a lot of that kind of vibe. I needed like a helping hand in the workshop. So some kind of like beaver animal. I'm trying to think of an animal that's like very hospitable and showy because that was what I needed this weekend. Yeah. Maybe like a peacock mm. to attract people to my booth and <laughs> sell more stuff for me. I'm currently waving my arms around and <laughs> this is not a visual format. So Faye's just getting the best display. I like it. So I think, yeah, maybe... Maybe my demon would be a peacock because he would just like strut around in the aisle and like attract people over to my booth at ToyCon and be like, buy this stuff. Buy it. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. That's a good one. That's what I needed. Okay. I and like then it. for the next couple of weeks, I want my demon to be a big, massive, cuddly dog that's going to hang out with me in the house all week. So you go, prospective demon for next week. You literally have just literally, that is what my demon is. I'm sorry, I stole it. (laughs) How dare. I was trying to think about what I wanted most in the world. And what I want most in the world is a Shiba Inu dog. Because I love them. We're all in this upside down world at the minute. I just want something that's going to make me happy. So I was like, 
my demon for this week would be a Shiba Inu so they can keep me company while we're all self-isolating. And, and I just, I was just picturing myself like laying on the sofa or, or in bed and just like giving them a big cuddle. Yeah. And then they'd still get you out of the house because you still have to take them out for like short walks and like just walks generally. So you can go out in the fresh air where you're not necessarily like touching all the stuff other people have touched. And then yeah. Come home and have cuddles. Yeah. And I'm actually genuinely upset that I don't have that right now. Yeah. Do you know when you feel like a longing? I feel like a longing in my soul. People out there listening that have pets that are basically their demons. We had an amazing email from someone that sent us a picture of their um, cats. And they were like, this is my demon. I was like, yes, please send us your pet photos in this difficult time. Yeah, please send us photos of your pets slash demons. Rich, that's such a good shout. Yes. yes. So you can email them to us. And we'll or, totally reshare them. Yeah, yeah. Our, our social media. So at HDMPod, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever you use. Mm-hmm. Please send us peppers. I really want them now. So please don't disappoint us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. If you've got a pet that's named after a character in the book, <gasps> I will eat that shit up. Yes. yes. We need it. Last chapter, Lyra and the Egyptians arrived in the north. Fardikorum and Lyra went to see the witch's consul, who mentioned again that Lyra is more important than she knows. And we met Yorick fucking Burnison. Yorick fucking Burnison. I know. I had a fucking great old time. Yes, Yorick. This chapter, Lyra sees a city in the sky with her own eyes for the very first time. Kaiser, Seraphina Pekula's demon, reveals that there are millions of other worlds out there and that Lyra's world is just one of them. Lyra uses the alethiometer to help Yorick find his armour, and we meet Lee fucking Scoresby. Yes! Oh my god! They set out to Bolvanger, on foot, to find the missing children. Oh yeah. <laughs> we start with them heading back to the ship, um, and Lyra asks the alethiometer where Yorick's armour is. Yeah, yeah, and but she did tell. Uh, she decides not to tell John Farr and the others because they'd ask if they wanted to know. It's a bit odd, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that really, I was just like, what? Just tell him. Yeah, it, it it's odd for Lyra because there's a bit later in this chapter where she literally can't hold in asking Kaiser why the witches talk about her. Like it's like yeah. word vomit, like on Mean Girls. But then this bit, she's like, you know what? I'm just gonna keep that, keep that to myself. You would think our Lyra would be like, by the way, everyone, I know where it is. Yeah. No, uh, not not for Lyra this episode, apparently. I don't, yeah. An, an odd one for our Lyra. Yeah, she's keeping it to herself. She, oh, she, this happens quite a few times this chapter, but she thinks about Yorick and she's upset about him being lonely with no demon. Yeah. If Lyra met me, what would she think of know, me? Like, I'm fucking lonely, I need a demon. <laughs> like, she's talking about how different it must be be not to have one and like the silence and all of this kind of stuff and it's just like yeah that's what it's like yeah sometimes i feel maybe that's how people with pets feel when they they see people without pets they're like oh you're missing out yeah (laughs) and we truly are missing out yeah we're so lonely (laughs) (laughs) oh god Uh, this episode's a bit of a pity fest isn't it we're sorry we're sorry the world's a weird place we can't help it okay so she falls asleep and she dreams, oh god, of her great imprisoned father. Fucking ew. Like, she just really needs to calm down about him. Like, mm. making him out to be more than he is. Right. It's sad. I get why she's doing it. Because 
she's found out, she's a child who has found out that this man that she's admired for years is actually her father, even, and she doesn't see all the ways that he's treating her like shit because she's a child and she's only seeing and those also, parts of him. And also, all of them. Pe- the, all of the older people she's interacting with, all the adults, keep referring to him as like a great and powerful man. Yeah. Or like have academic respect for him or whatever. And it's like that we just, everybody needs to stop bigging up people, like bigging up people that are like a bit shit. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. And also, I think it's interesting that you just said that because when people are saying that he's this great and powerful man, that doesn't mean that he's a good man. I just mean he's a nice person. No. Whereas I think that because Lyra is a child and maybe that she doesn't understand those nuances yet, that when people are saying these things about him being a great and powerful man or whatever, having a lot of power, she's like, yes, great, that's a good thing. Whereas actually, there's probably bits of horribleness peppered in there. him being a great and powerful man mm-hmm. means that a requirement of his greatness and powerfulness doesn't include being nice or being perceived as being nice. If yeah. you, if, and people just get always great and powerful. If it was a woman who was great and powerful and also being as much of a dick as he is, like, they wouldn't necessarily... They'd also be like, oh, and she's a bitch. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, absolutely. They definitely... They would, there would be someone would be pointing out that also she's not nice. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, I'm sorry, the requirement for women apparently is to be great and powerful and nice and good and virtuous. Whereas yeah. for men, it's just great and powerful, full stop. Do whatever the hell else you want in the meantime. The patriarchy. <laughs> Do you know what that reminds me of? The Man by Taylor Swift. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. There are lots of other patri- like things smashing the patriarchy, but that song is literally uh, literally about what you just said. Yeah. It's a great song. Also, hi, is it? Because she loves Taylor Swift and she'll be happy that we mentioned her. Oh yeah. <laughs> and uh, the makeup effects work on it is really great. Yes, yes it is. Yeah. In the video. Yeah. But no, I completely agree. It maybe it might be one for us to keep an eye on with Mrs. Coulter to see mm. how she is described. Because we know that she is a great and powerful woman. So let's keep keep an eye on that. See how that goes. Yes, definitely. Mm. So yeah, she's uh dreaming and she wakes up suddenly for no reason. Which I think is like spooky ish. Like Absolutely. is she waking up because she's about to wander outside and see the northern lights. Like, is she waking up because, like, there's something in the air? Like, yep. is there something, like, a little bit supernatural going on that's kind of woken her up and, like, made her feel alert? Yeah, like, I think so. Yeah. I, I, I'm a massive believer in supernatural stuff anyway, but I, it hasn't happened to me for a while, but sometimes when I wake up really suddenly, and, like, it's kind of what's described here, like you were just saying, when you wake up really suddenly and then you are alert, like, something's just happened, like, there's been a big mm. noise or whatever, but there's nothing that could have triggered you waking up in that way. I'm always like, there's some fucking ghost or spirit in Paranormal here. activity. It's yeah. happening to me now. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, here it is. I'm ready for it. Uh, take me. Take me, demon. <laughs> oh, Faye. Let's take a turn. <laughs> oh, God. But yes, I definitely think that, yeah, it was something in the air. Like, the, the magicalness of mm. the Northern Lights is working her up. Also, like me, she's just woken up in the middle of the night and then she's gone, you know what I really want to do? I just, I can't get it out of my head. I just want to try on those clothes I just bought. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Lyra. So she's like, yes, I'm going to go and try on all my winter clothes. And then obviously goes outside. She's like, well, I've got them on now. I might as well go outside. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like we said, she goes out on deck and she sees something strange in the sky. And mm. it's the aurora. Also, she's finally, she is calling it the aurora. Like, the not, aurora. The, not the aurora. Yeah. <laughs> Which I still love. 
The sight filled the northern sky, the immensity of it was scarcely conceivable, as if from heaven itself great curtains of delicate light hung and trembled, pale green and rose pink and as transparent as the most fragile fabric, and at the bottom edge a profound and fiery crimson like the fires of hell. They swung and shimmered loosely with more grace than the most skilful dancer. Lyra thought she could even hear them, a vast distant whispering swish in the evanescent evanescence. <laughs> In the ev- <laughs> Wake me up. Wake me up inside. In the evanescent delicacy, she felt something as profound as she'd felt close to the bear. She was moved by it. It was so beautiful. It was almost holy. She felt tears prick her eyes and the tears splintered the light even further into prismatic rainbows. It wasn't long before she found herself entering the same kind of trance as when she consulted the aletheometer. Have you ever wanted to see the Northern Lights more in your entire life after reading that paragraph? Such a good description. So good. I was like, I nearly brought a tear to my eye. I was like, (laughs) oh, I want to see them. Definitely as a kid reading that, because like, I'd definitely never seen the Northern Lights before. Mm -hmm. The front cover of the book doesn't even do a super great job of... Usually, if there's a good picture on the cover, I always refer back to it. Yeah, yeah. There's not really, like, a picture of the Northern Lights on the cover of the book, even, for you to use as reference. Yeah. So, like, he's painted a really lovely word picture. Yeah, really. He's really good at that, actually. These books are the first that I'd ever read of his, and I did think he does a really great job of descriptions. Mm. He uses a lot of, like, phrases and words and stuff that I'm very jealous of. I'm like, oh, wish I could come yeah, up with that stuff. Yeah, but also that I feel like aren't too much... Yeah. reading it as a kid I don't think I I think I was still able to able to picture it because mm-hmm. even some of the words that might go over your head are in amongst things that do very clearly lay it out for you which yeah. I think is very well nice. I think that's like the beauty of it isn't it it's it's easy this because I um, I love reading I love writing I really don't like complicated language I think that your writing should be as accessible for everyone to read so I think it's a really great skill to have to be able to paint such a vivid picture with using very simple language. Mm. And I like that a lot. And he does it really well. She kind of clues onto something here that I kind of want to like raise an eyebrow at and mm. then continue. Perhaps she thought what moves the alethiometer needle is what's making the aurora glow too. And that it might even be dust itself. And she thought that without noticing that she'd really thought it. And then she forgot it only to remember it much later. Mm. And my eyebrows are just like waggling around all over the shop reading that. So we've had that kind of allusion to the future before, haven't we? Somebody says that she'll know more about dust than anyone will ever know. Yeah. In, and her, I, in her future. Yeah, and I really like... Philip Pullman uses it very sparingly, which I like, because it could get annoying, I think, if he was doing it all the time. But by saying that she wouldn't remember it till much later, you're like, oh. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a little bit of like, it's not necessarily foreshadowing, because it is more obvious than a foreshadow, yeah. but it's like, it's a nice little like, things to come, but carrying on. Next, yeah. next, next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like, like that a lot. Yeah. He's great. We love you, Philip. He's doing a good job. doing a good job. She kind of starts to notice as she's staring and she's in this kind of like trance, like alethiometer reedy kind of state Mm -hmm. that she's seeing this city form itself behind the veils. Yeah. And I'm like, is that because she slipped into the alethiometer reading trance or is it, could anyone upon deck see it? Yeah. I wonder that as well. Because Asriel only had it in photos with the special lens. Mm -hmm. So could... Can, can normal people see it or can only Lyra see the city? That's I'm not I'm sure. Saying. Yeah, I wonder if we'll ever... F- I can't remember. I wonder if we'll find that out 
because it's annoying, really, that obviously because like uh, Father Coram and John Farr come up later. Yeah, um, I think we know that witches can kind of see it. Yeah, I think so. They don't care about it. We yeah. get a lot of that in this chapter. Yeah, they know, they just don't care. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I kind of, it makes me kind of feel because they mentioned her going into that trance-like state that it made me think that maybe she is the only one that can see it because she is the only person so far that we've met that can read the Elysiometer in that trance-like state. Yeah. So if everyone could see it, I don't think they'd even bother mentioning that she'd slipped into that trance. So maybe it's just her. Yeah. The description of the city is really interesting because she's gazing at the image of a city, towers and domes, honey-coloured temples and colonnades and broad boulevards and sunlit parkland. Looking at it gave her a sense of vertigo as if she was looking not up but down. But like that's, it makes me think of the bit in Inception where like the city's like rolled over itself and they're like looking up and it's, that must be really weird. But also it's very different from the image I think I had in my head of like a city in the sky. I was, I kind of think like Laputa Castle on the Clouds and it's almost like a a sky, a cityscape Mm -hmm. from the side, like a silhouette of it. Whereas like actually it's like she's looking down on a city instead of, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, Uh, yeah yeah it's it's, it's not how i imagined no same and it's weird it it reminds me most of what i mentioned in like chapter one or two of that weird thing that happened in the sky in like china or wherever it was where it actually looked like a city in the sky oh my god we need to put that yeah we did say that we were going to post a picture of that and we didn't so they just showed me a picture because i'm special and then was like screw (laughs) social media (laughs) actually like i might be completely wrong and it might not even be china but We'll post it anyway with a bit more information. We'll hopefully. find out what we're talking about and then we'll post it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's good. <laughs> we'll try. We'll do a try. <laughs> oh god, she sees the city in the sky and then she sees something moving across the sky that is seemingly unrelated to what is going on in the scene. Mm, it like breaks the vision, breaks yeah. the trance. Yes, and it's a big bird and it lands on the deck and it's a grey goose. Yes. It is a goose. It's not a falcon like they made it on the TV show or whatever that bird was. It's a great big grey goose. (laughs) Not like the vodka. It is a grey goose. It truly is. It's not a fucking falcon. In the aurora's light, she saw a great bird. A beautiful grey goose whose head was crowned with a flash of pure white. Lovely. Yeah. He has great big bloody wings. And then she realises that he's not a bird. He's a demon. And the idea fills her with like sickly fear mm-hmm. because it's like, again, seeing a demon without its person, yep. which we were talking about in the last chapter, which is what threw Far off when he shot down that bird yep. in his past. And the bird just, yeah, lands up, rocks up and says, hey, where's Far Decorum? Where is he? Where is he? And then Lyra goes to get him. Um, she stammers. It's the first yeah. time I think we've seen her stammer. She's, she's like, like, oh, oh. I, uh, he's, I'll, I'll go and get him. Because does she stammer when she realises that it's... Seraphina Peckler's demon. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, when he asks for Father Coram, she realises it must be him. Yeah. But I think she's like a bit starstruck. Yeah. And also like a bit freaked out being around a demon without his person. But it's just so not Lyra. She's usually like really quick with her words yeah. and really quick to an answer. So it's just really cute to have yeah. her be like, oh, um, oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, so far we've had like Lyra not really being her full self, right? Yeah. Which is interesting. Um, so she runs to get Fardicorum and it made me laugh because like, she goes to his little dorm or wherever it is, but it doesn't describe what he's doing. She just like shouts in there. He's probably asleep. Yeah, I, 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 like, I did picture him like in, under a little blanket. Yeah. Like, and he's like, I'll be up in a minute. He's probably all like tucked up in bed with Sophanax on his chest, like oh. keeping him warm. 
Oh, but then, oh, God. He gets up there pretty quickly because I was just thinking, oh, he's got to put all, all his furs and then he's got his walking sticks and stuff. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Um, so yeah, it's, it does actually say that Lyra, I think it says something about her being fascinate, fascinatingly terrified of the demon. I really like that description because I think most of the time, I mean, speaking for myself, when I'm terrified of something, I'm also fascinated by it. Yeah. So there's always that thing where something is absolutely shit scary to you, but you also want to know more about it and look at it. Like I'm thinking about me with spiders, I fucking hate spiders. But I still have a like intriguing sense of if there's a spider on the wall I'll shit myself but I'll still be like <laughs> not literally I'll still be like oh you like, can't stop looking at it yeah yeah, yeah 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 is that not just partly your brain going like if it moves then I won't know where it is so I have to keep yeah it is it also makes me think about horror films because I'm a massive horror film fan and don't really get scared by horror films anymore I do I'm really bad at that I wish I got scared by horror films I'm upset I'm like that. I think I mentioned this on the podcast before, but I'm like that episode of Bob's Burgers where um, Louise just wants to be scared by something. Oh. I'm like, please just scare me. If I go to the cinema to watch a horror film, I have to have like a massive scarf with me so I can like blank and I like tuck my knees up on the chair so I can like hug my knees and I tuck myself as tight as I can into like a bundle so I can like partly hide under my scarf, even if it's the middle of summer. So I've got to be like protected like when watching scary films at your house i'll be in that little bucket chair and i'll be like wrapped in the massive blanket that you've yeah. got because i'm like and then i have to like kind of johnny taught me a trick because i used to like hide behind my hands like a proper wuss but he was like oh if you when the scary thing's happening like obviously trying to draw your focus to the center of the screen so that when something jumps because i don't even mind things that like mess with your head or like mm. just genuinely creepy like i love horror film special effects I love the creatures and the design and the creativity behind it. And I can look at pictures of the scary stuff all day long. Yeah. It's the jumps. Stop mm. making me jump. I proper, you've seen me. I proper like, <laughs> ju- I proper like twitch and jump out of my skin. And so, yeah, apparently if you look at like, pick a corner of the screen that isn't the focus of the thing and like watch that. So you're still kind of taking in the information, but when the jump scare happens, it won't like make you yeah. as shocked. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can kind of put myself in a very calm, relaxed state when watching horror films, so I don't jump. A bit like Lyra reading the Alethium here. <laughs> I can, like, I can act... But not as useful. Not as useful, no. <laughs> I can actively put myself in that position where I know that I'm not going to be scared mm. and I know that I'm not going to jump because I'm, I'm too relaxed to jump. If something makes me jump when I've, like, kind of put myself in that state, I am always like, yes! amazing this is great i can't believe it made me jump no i don't like jump scares but anyway but like (laughs) like this is the thing what going back to what i was saying i'm still like fascinated by all the things that terrify me and i think that's just human nature right to be want to know more about the things that you could perceive as being a threat to you definitely so lyra's got that going on with uh with the goose the goose demon we find out that uh he's called kaiser yeah yeah um, and we learn that the witches and their demons don't feel the cold. Yeah, he's quite considerate. He says, um, Fardacorum's like, do you want to come inside? Are you okay in the open? And Kaiser's like, I'd rather stay outside, but if you're too cold, we can go in. Yeah. Like, will you be okay? And Fardacorum's like, it's fine. I've got my furs on. I've got I'm my jacket good. on. We're all right. Yeah. How's Serafina doing? Oh, Serafina. She's doing well. <laughs> she's doing she's well doing good. <laughs> yeah they kind of like catch up on how she's doing mm-hmm. and Fardacorum introduces him to John Farr who he's brought up with him mm-hmm. and Lyra 
and Kaiser says he's heard of the child. Yeah. She's talked about among the witches and then just kind of immediately says, oh, have you come to start a war? Yeah. <laughs> but Lyra's obviously twigged onto that and she's been like, the witches have been talking about me. me. Little, little old me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so they explain about the missing kids and Kaiser says that some of the witches' clans are actually working with the dust hunters, which is a new yeah. way of referring to these people that we've mm-hmm. heard. We've had uh, the ablation board, mm-hmm. the oh, there was something else, child that, cutters, the child cutters, Yorick said that, the goblers, and then there was another one that was like the something trading company that was also oh, the ablation yeah. board in yeah, the last yeah. chapter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then now the dust hunters, mm. which yeah. sounds like Ghostbusters. Yeah, it does to me. Yeah, it does. Imagine if they call them dust hunters the whole way through. I don't think I could hack it. It's great. (laughs) Dust busters. (laughs) Anyway. Kaiser says that the dust hunters, apparently they came to set up stations like 10 years ago. We're assuming that this has either been going on a long time or they've been planning it at least for a long time. At least they've been doing like whatever they started 10 years ago has escalated to this point now. Yeah. Because who knows, the first five years, maybe they were doing experiments very different to whatever they appear to need children for. Yeah, that's true. Um, and they asked Kaiser what dust is. And I put a little sticky on it because we should always look at all the descriptions of dust. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he says, it comes from the sky. Some say it's always been there. Some say it's newly fallen. What is certain is when people become aware of it, a great fear comes over them and they'll stop at nothing to, to discover what it is. But it, but it is not any any concern to witches. The witches don't really care about it. They're not bothered. <laughs> I love how it keeps coming up. They're like, yeah, but the witches don't care about it. It's none of their business. Yeah, if their business is with nature. <laughs> we know this already. Look, right? The witches, they don't care. If the witches care about something, I'll tell you. But they don't care about that. So yeah. move on. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so they learn that the dust hunters are four days away, or like four days north, in a place called... Bolvanger. Mm. A good description of Bolvanger. Mm-hmm. Um, we also find out that the people that made it don't call it that. They call it the station. So they mm. put up buildings of metal and concrete and some underground chambers and they burn coal spirit, which they bring in at great expense. We don't know what they do, but there's an air of hatred and fear over the place for miles around. Witches can see things that other humans can't. Animals keep away too and no birds fly there. Lemmings and foxes have fled. Hence the name Bolvanger, the fields of evil. Yes, I googled that and apparently it actually does mean fields of evil and it's Old Norse, Ooh, I think. That's cool. So Old Norse was a North Germanic language that was spoken by inhabitants of Scandinavia and their overseas settlements from about the 9th to the 13th century. That's nice. I like that it's pulled from that so it's not even like he's just translated something into modern yeah. Nor- Norwegian or anything. He's gone, nope. Mm-hmm. We're going yeah. old school, like we Ragnarok are. or something. Ragnarok? <laughs> it just makes me think of Thor Ragnarok. What a fucking great film. Brilliant. Uh, anyway, I think a lot, maybe before that we learned that because of the witcher's like, ancient obligation to Father Corrin, they've come to help him mm. find the Dust Hunters. Uh, with you, what you were mentioning about the station or Bolvanger, they have Tartars defending it. But they're good soldiers, but they've not practiced because no one's ever tried to infiltrate the place yeah. before. And then this is a bit where Lyra's busting to ask that question. Yeah. No. Um, and yeah, she asks, why do the witches talk about me? Uh, and yeah, like we said earlier, I just fucking love that so much. Like, yeah. She's just like, me? 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 Why? Oh, so great. So great. But, but how is this relevant to me? Oh, God. And it's because 
of Azriel and his knowledge of the other worlds. But is it because we know last chapter the Rich's consort was had this conversation while Lyra was out of the room with Father Corum saying how important she was. Yeah. And it didn't necessarily have that much to do with her dad. So I think maybe the goose has gone, I know that she can never know about her destiny because yeah. she can't fulfill it if she knows it. And so I'm just going to make up some shit about her dad. But yeah. again, it's reinforcing this, my dad's so bloody great com- complex that yeah. she's got. Exactly. <sighs> yeah. And they're all like shocked about that um, yeah. revelation. Um, and Coram asks if they mean the stars or the world of the spirits. And then Lyra says, it's the city in the lights. Witches have known of the other worlds for thousands of years. You can see them sometimes in the Northern Lights. They aren't part of this universe at all. Even the furthest stars are part of this universe, but the light show is a different universe entirely. Not further away, but interpenetrating with this one. Here, on this deck, millions of other universes exist, unaware of one, one another. He raised his wings and spread them wide before folding them again. There, he said, I've just brushed ten million other worlds and they knew nothing of it. We're as close as a heartbeat. But we can never touch or see or hear these other worlds except in the Northern Lights. That's pretty cool. This is some big shit. Yeah. This is some, like, there's some revelations in this chapter. Uh huh. There are definitely other worlds that exist. It's legit. Yeah. It's a thing. It's canon. It's a thing. Also, I love that he's just like, open my wings, yeah. brush them out down. <sighs> there. I just touched a bunch of other worlds. You're welcome. We both so just did a very, like, sassy like <laughs> unfolding of our pretend wings yeah <laughs> i love it again reasons i'm happy as a goose because a falcon doing that not as impressive yeah. as a goose because goose is a bloody massive yeah they got big wings yeah, yeah that's true particarum asks why in the northern lights and uh, kaiser says because the charged particles in the aurora have the property of making the matter of this world thin so that we can see through it for a brief time Witches have always known this, but we seldom speak of it. They don't give a shit. Because they don't care. They don't it's care. Not, it's not their business. Their business is the nature. Yeah. Leave them to it. It's nothing to do with them. All right? It's, yeah. Stop asking. It's got no to do with the affairs of shrubs, so they don't care. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Lyra says that she knows that Azriel believes this because of his uh, old PowerPoint presentation. Oh, yeah. That we saw in the first couple of chapters at the college. And John Faw asks if it's anything to do with dust. Kaiser says he doesn't know. And then talks about a bridge between the worlds. And also just that the dust hunters are scared of it. Yeah. Standard. Yeah. Basically, that's why they've imprisoned Azrael as well, right? Because he knows all this shit about dust and uh, the other worlds and stuff. They've imprisoned him because they think he intends to use dust in some way in order to make a bridge between this world and the world beyond the Aurora. So that's why old Azrael's all blocked up. And I say keep him there because he's a nasty man. (laughs) <laughs> and that's phase hot take of day <laughs> so yeah they're keeping him there protected by armoured bears mm-hmm. um, who keep him in the fortress of Svalbard yeah apparently in some way the dust hunters slash ablation board slash magisterium whatever mm-hmm. made some kind of deal with the new bear king to gain his throne as a part of the bargain yeah so they've clearly waded into some bear politics in order to be able to have the power over the bears to get them to keep Azrael captive. Yeah. Uh, which is inter- interesting. Yeah, they they talk about the bears, don't they? And, and Lyra asks, like, whose side are the bears on? And it's basically... Whoever pays whoever the best. Whoever pays them, yeah. Yeah. And there's an interesting bit here where it says, uh, where Kaiser says they have no interest. Whatever in these questions, they have no demons. They are unconcerned about human problems. At least that's how bears used to be. But we've heard that their new king is intent on changing their old ways. Yeah. Maybe want to pop a, pop a little pin in that? Yeah. 
They also, I don't know if we've reached this bit yet, but one of them asks, like, are the witches on, are the witches on his side or are they against it? And Kaiser's just a bit like, ugh, not all witches are the same. Yeah. There's actually a lot going on in our society too, by the way. <laughs> Stop Don't just assume in as one. that, like, all the witches have the yeah. same agenda because actually some of them are on the side of the Dust Hunters and some of them are are not yep. and some of them like Serafina's clan are actually kind of in the middle of it and being pressured to choose a side so we've got our own shit going on thank you very much <laughs> don't assume all witches are the same full stop next love it <laughs> Lyris then says there's a bear who's going to go with them and then Kaiser fucking shoots her some right side eye he's been, day, he's been given her like there's been a few comments so far this chapter of him having a really piercing eyes and really yeah. piercing glare and just seems to be like every time she says something he must just be like like laser eyes yeah. straight on her yeah. in a way that's very intimidating <laughs> yeah absolutely so yeah he definitely throws some shit Father Coram says that the bear is under a sentence so he won't be able to go with them and that he'll never get his armour back. Um, I know. And then Lyra says that they tricked him, they got him drunk and stole his armour, which is horrendous. We talked a bit about that in the last episode. Yeah, it sounds like the guys have been talking to people in the town about Yorick, and even though they've got Lyra, who literally has this thing that will tell them what the real case is, they've been believing other people over her. Yeah. Because they're saying, oh, he's, you know, we heard that he killed people when they stole his armour. And Lyra's like, yeah, but like, I, I literally asked the alethiometer, like, it said that he was telling the truth. Like, yeah. we should we should be believing the victim here, guys. And they're going, mm, but the perpetrators are saying that they got hurt a bit too in the process of victimising this bear. And also, it's really out of, like, Father Coram's character that we've seen so far to not believe Lyra. Yeah. I, I know he changes his mind later, but the fact that he's also not believing what the alethiometer telling him, or maybe they're just in denial, but, like, they know that it tells the truth. So, like, what? possible like excuse could they have for not following what it says i think it's a bit of societal pressure yeah of like the whole town is saying this one thing and then this girl and and her not compass slash compass are saying this other thing yeah <laughs> yeah oh and there's a bit here where like lyra can hardly speak for indignation and like i totally get that when you're like really passionate about something or like you're upset or whatever and you're just like or even if you're just like really happy about something and you're trying to get your words out and you can't and all your throat goes all gammy and you're just like oh and I really felt, I really feel for her in like that moment. We said that the lithiometer says that he was tricked and she asks Coram to back her up and he says that he isn't as sure of things as she is, which is just, I love Coram, but you, that's just a fucking bullshit excuse, mate. Yeah. To be honest. Why are you not backing Lyra up? I guess there's the version of it where technically what everybody's saying is true. So like Lyra's asked the lithiometer if Yorick's lying and saying he's telling the truth. He's telling his truth. And his truth is, they got me drunk and stole my armour. And yeah, I got into a rage and maybe some people died, whatever. But um, their version is, this bloody massive bear showed up. And so we thought the safest thing to do was to get him drunk and steal his armour. And then he just went ballistic and we just didn't know why. <laughs> and they're telling their truth, which is like... Yeah. And they are, they ate it. He killed two men. And he's like, you're saying, yeah, they just literally ripped my soul off me like <laughs> i love that you can see both sides because i'm just like no it's like <laughs> lyra and Yorick. the facts of the story haven't changed yeah, necessarily yeah. between the two groups telling it it's just that some of them like, everyone tells whatever story they're telling from a selfish perspective don't true. they it's but true. yorick's in the right i'm glad you've got a level head <laughs> you're just me. outraged for <laughs> yorick <laughs> I, am, I truly am so yeah she asks what he's afraid of because he can kill people without his armor so what does it mean if he's got it back or not john far says that he's killed people uh, like you mentioned, and he went on a rampage. 
uh, when they first took his armor. And it's just, there's a bit, I put a sticky note because I think John Parr basically says the only reason they didn't shoot to kill him is because of his wondrous skill with metals. They wanted to use him like a laborer. And that's so horrendous. And then Lai was obviously like, like a slave. They hadn't got the right. And it's just vile. I hate anything like that, as you know. And it's just like, ugh. Using him like a fucking slave. Ew. Yeah, and then using the fact that he killed two people in his drunken, we might point out, rage. Yeah. To, not that that makes it okay. They're, like, they're making him work to pay off the blood money mm. and like that that there's no cost on that he's paying off the damage that's yeah, the yeah. cost you can measure and be like okay you can wash dishes till you've paid off the cost of that meal you can't be like yeah you can wash dishes till you've paid off the cost of killing my cat there's no cost yeah. blood money isn't a cost like mm. i know basically yeah. stuck there forever yeah i agree yeah. also what when you said then about um him being drunk and that it's not an excuse. Obviously, it's not an excuse to kill people, but also they're the ones that got him drunk purposely so they could steal his armour. So, oh, yeah. really, it is on them. Oh, yeah. There's blame to be spread around for so everyone. So much blame for everyone. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, like you said, he'll work until he's, he's paid off his, his debt, which will most likely never fucking end. Uh, Father Karam says that they don't think he'll ever get the armour back uh, the longer they keep it, it, because the longer they keep it, the angrier he'll be when he gets it back. So, why would they give him back? Um, and Lyra says that they could get the armor back for him, and she says that she knows where it is. And then I put a little sticker. I put C C sticker ten for a quote about Kaiser staring at Lyra. So I'm assuming he's Classic. shooting. Um, there was a silence in which they uh, in which they all three became aware of the witch's demon and his fixed stare at Lyra. All three turned to him and their own demons too, who had until then affected the extreme politeness of keeping their eyes modestly away from the singular creature here without his body. I think it's really cute how the demons aren't looking at him because it's like he's naked because yeah. his person isn't there. <laughs> but again, it's like one of those It's things. like he's standing there really seriously without his pants on, but like everyone respects him too much to point it out. So they're like, oh, we just won't look, okay? Yeah. Oh. But it's one of those things again, isn't it? Like the demon lore of the books. We now know that it's, if a demon's there without their person, which is obviously a very rare thing unless you're a witch, that... Oh, it embarrasses. Like, this is embarrassing. Aww. And then Kaiser says one of the reasons that they're interested in Lyra is because of the alethiometer. They talk more about whether they're going to try and get Yorick's armor back, and they ask Kaiser how to get to Bolvanger. As he speaks, Lyra fantasizes about Asriel, her great father. Ew. Yeah. Yeah, and how she wants them to be the first to cross the bridge to the other worlds together. I'm like, come on, Lyra. I get it. I get it. I'm trying to cut you some slack. Yeah. I know you don't know. I know that you're a child, but also he's a nasty man. So then uh, Lyra wakes up in her bunk because th- she thinks that John Four carried her there when she fell asleep. Oh. I love that she fell asleep on a deck chair right. on this like ship. It's like, I'm imagining like cruise ship deck chairs. I realise <laughs> that's it's probably just a chair that's on the deck. Yeah. But like I'm imagining like a cruise ship deck chair. Like but, a lounger. Like, they're in like the north. Yeah. It's like icy as fuck. <laughs> She's just like in this like massive coat on like a lounger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah she wakes up and goes out on deck and egyptians i think everyone's like getting ready to leave aren't they on the deck so there's like loads of workers there and stuff and the egyptians are in a cafe across uh, from where the boat is docked and she heads there to um ask tony costa where Fada Coram and john far are and they're talking to the sisselman who is the governor who I, uh, reminded me of the tv show he's played by the guy that plays dudley right in he harry potter is. I feel like in the TV show, drink. it's implied that drink. Uh, it's implied that his name is Sisselman. Yeah, and yeah, not they his do title as the governor, which I think is odd. Maybe it's one of those things where 
like, do you know uh, in like the first or second chapter where they called like the subrector just subrector and he didn't have a name? Maybe it's oh, something yeah. like that. Could be. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's an odd one. It is. And uh, he asks if she's seen the bear. Um, so Tony Costros this. Then a random pulls up a chair and starts talking about Yorick. Yes. <sighs> and it's fucking Lee motherfucking Scoresby. Do you want me to read the first description we get of Lee Scoresby? Yes, please. So you've spoken with old Yorick, he said. She looked at the newcomer with surprise. He was a tall, lean man with a thin black moustache and narrow blue eyes and a perpetual expression of distant and sardonic amusement. She felt strongly about him at once, but she wasn't sure whether it was liking she felt or dislike. His demon with a sh- was a shabby hair, as thin and tough-looking as he was. Oh, it's like a Scoresby, baby. Mr. Scoresby. Do you know, right, I was thinking when I read that description of him, there was a lot of talk when they cast Lin-Manuel Miranda to play Scoresby in the TV show, because everyone had a view of Scoresby in their mind, from, well, not everyone, but a lot of people did, of the guy that played him in The Golden Compass, and a lot of people imagined, like, an older guy with grey hair and then I read that description and I'm like they've literally just fucking described Lynn yeah it's really interesting because I reading that I was like oh I guess it's one of those situations where watching the film has accidentally informed my view of this person and I don't know whether it's because when I was reading it as a kid I just went he's in one of the grown-ups, therefore I'm picturing someone that's maybe older mm-hmm. than they actually are because when you're a kid, you think everyone's ancient. And therefore, the casting felt right in the film because as a kid, you're going, oh, they're old, whatever. Mm. But yeah, definitely. Lynn totally works for this right? role. And like, I really like have the TV show to thank, really, for my love for Lee Scoresby because when I read the books originally, I like I like him as a character, but he was never my favourite. But now, like when I read it, I'm picturing what Lynn did with him and all his little sassy remarks like at near the end of the chapter where he's like sat on the arm and he's just like casually like fucking pointing his gun at the Sisselman and like I don't know like all that I don't think it went over my head when I read it but I didn't see it as being like a sassy move and now I'm I'm picturing being like like it said with, with like sardonic amusement and like I'm picturing being like really cool and collected and like funny and I'm just yes I'm yeah. here for it much more than when I first Changes read it the reading yeah and I love that so thank you Lynn I will yes. always thank you I actually thanked Lynn today on Twitter. Not that he ever saw it, but Aww. he did um, for the because uh, I feel I've, obviously a lot of people are quarantined. He did a little piano version of my shot from his bedroom and sc- streamed it live on Twitter. And I just That's adorable. I know I retweeted it and I was like, "Thank you, Lynn. I really needed this today." Oh, what a babe! I know. Yeah, I love him. Anyway, I can't remember. I got so excited about Lee. I've lost my place. Um, oh yeah, she. Is like, who are you? He holds out his hand. He says, Lee Scoresby. And she's like, oh my God, it's the aeronaut. Where is your balloon? Please, can I go in it? Yeah. <laughs> about as excited about the balloon as John Farr was when he was telling everyone he'd found an aeronaut. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, and he, sa- he says, oh, it's packed away. So she can't have a go in it. Oh, he says something like, you must be the famous Lyra. And I think that's yeah. really cute. It's very like, he knows how to like make her feel like she's special. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And uh, she asks how he knows Yorick. And we find out that he's known him for years and that he fought beside him at some point, which is great. Yeah, he refers to, he says, bears are difficult critters. Yeah. Like, imagine referring to a fuck off massive polar bear as a critter. a critter. Like a critter makes you think of a squirrel, right? Yeah. Ugh. It's just, it, it, again, it adds to that like charm that I think he's got. He then asks the Egyptians if they wanted a game of hazard. And I didn't know what hazard was. 
Did you do a Google? I did a Google. Oh, well done. It's, I didn't. It looks like it's a dice rolling game rather than a card game. So it says Hazard is an early English game played with two dice. Huh. And it was popular in the 14th century, despite its complicated rules. It was popular also in the 17th and 18th centuries and was often played for money. Scoresby flatters Egyptians into playing this game and they're kind of known for being good at card games anyway. Pan goes to speak to Lee Scoresby's demon and Lyra can hear too, which is interesting. Yeah, I wonder whether she hears or whether she just knows the information because he's hearing it. And I'm not, I don't want to spoil ahead. I will say that there are other instances in this book series where demons talk to each other and the humans don't know what's going on. Mm. So whether it's just a continuity thing and they well, just Well we're gonna eat. have a bit later where they talk about the distance that she's able to go yeah. from him and considering earlier in other chapters. We'll get I'll talk there when we get there. But yeah. But yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I wanna put a pin in, in that. Inconsistencies. Yeah, and see and see if what I remember is right. Um it might be when we get to the books of dust, but you know. So it might be about seven years down the line, but it's cool, fine. Cool, cool. It's fine. So she tells them to go straight to Yorick and tell him Taking her cake with her. <laughs> of course yeah <laughs> um because if they find out they'll move his armor yeah so they skedaddle and like you said she takes her kick with her they get there and basically lyra's scared so she like watches yorick working with metal and it like shows how strong he is because he's like fucking lifting tractors with he's, like one yeah paw. moving a like a tractor around as if it's like a bit of origami paper yeah and, like folding it and like moving it around yeah. like yeah. folding metal as if it was cardboard yeah. And he sees Lyra and she's terrified. And she nearly runs away, but Pan wants to go and talk to him, which is interesting because what we've seen of Pan so far is he's always the one that's really like reluctant to do things. So the fact that he's the one that's like pushing to go and talk to Yorick is a bit out of character for Pan, maybe? Yeah. But I think maybe it's he knows that it's the right thing to do and it's what he needs to do. Yeah. And it's like he tends to be the one that does the thing that's right while Lyra's doing the thing that her emotions push her for. Yeah. Like she's having fun, playing tricks, whatever. And Pan's like, that's not very good. Like we shouldn't be doing it. Whereas he's like, no, we should be doing this. Yeah. Like this is what needs to happen. So he's going to make it happen. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. That is true. He goes and and then pulls her and this this is what you're talking about, right? Yeah. So he was a turn. And before she could answer, he'd flown off the fence and down to the icy ground beyond it. There was an open gate a little way along, and Lyra could have followed him, but she hung back unwillingly. Pantaleman looked at her, and then became a badger. She knew what he was doing. Demons could move no more than a few yards away from their humans, and if she stood by the fence and he remained a bird, he wouldn't get near the bear, so he was going to pull. So it says that he can only get a few yards away, but like literally two chapters ago, he was a seagull flying around the boat. And that yeah. feels like it's going to be more than a few yards and away. A por- and when he was a porpoise, like a dolphin. With yeah, the that's got to be more yeah. than a few yards. Yeah. So like this fence is quite a lot further away than we think. Mm, but still a few yards. It's like a few yards yeah. away. It, yeah, it's um, interesting, quite a, maybe another continuity thing potentially. Yeah. I mean, we're not here to pick holes in it. So I feel like we're not going to spend loads of time on it because the more important thing is the fact that when he is pulling on this link, Mm -hmm. she felt angry and miserable. His badger claws dug into the earth and he walked forward. And it was such a strange, tormenting feeling when your demon was pulling at the link between you. Part physical pain deep in the chest and part intense sadness and love. And she knew it was the same for him. Everyone tested it when they were growing up, seeing how far they could pull apart from each other and coming back with intense relief. He tugged a little harder 
And she's like, don't. And like, yeah. it's that thing of like, it's so interesting, this whole thing of like, he's making the decision to like, cause this pain to force her to do this thing. Yeah. And like, that's what's important here. It's just a shame that it's kind of also made us go, oh, that was a continuity error. <laughs> yeah. And the way that it's described as well reminds me so much of what um, heartbreak feels like. Yeah. So it says, when your demon was pulling at the link between you, part physical pain, deep in the chest, part intense sadness and love. And she knew it was the same for him. And it, yeah, it just really reminds me of that like hideous feeling when you've had your heart broken and that like intense longing in your chest. Yeah, you can feel it like welling up in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, the human body's a weird thing. I isn't know. It? Like, why does that happen based on emotions? Yeah, it, yeah, it's so strange. Uh, so then just she through this whole thing, Yorick's just watching. Oh yeah, he's just like he's like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> so he keeps pulling, and then she has to run to him because she can't stand it any longer. And they reach each other and they hug desperately. They're like, I thought you were gonna do it, and he's like, No, how could I ever do it? Blah, blah, blah. And then there's like a cute slash kind of sad quote here where it says he nestled in her arms and she knew she would rather die than let them be parted and face that sadness again it would send her mad with grief and terror if she died they'd still be together like the scholars in the crypt at jordan i'm just gonna leave that yeah, there it's gonna <laughs> they look at yorick and again they like feel sorry for him because they've just had that like intense being pulled away from each other and then reuniting and then they like kind of think about how yorick will never have that because he doesn't have a demon. She wants to touch him, but his ferocious eyes prevent her from doing so. Yeah. <laughs> out, out of courtesy as well. Also, just like, I think it would be quite patronising if she's done this really weird thing in front of him and he's just stood there, like, watching, like, what are you doing? And then she's like, oh, there, there. You'll <laughs> never understand my pain. There, there. <laughs> like, petting him, like... It's probably not going to be the right oh, mood to strike. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> and then she tells him that um, John Far and Father Corrin have gone to get his armour back for him. But she knows where it is. And maybe he could just go and get it himself. Yeah, if he, if he promises not to do anyone a smash. <laughs> yeah, 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 basically. And then he asks how she knows about where it is. And she tells him about the alethiometer, but she calls it symbol reader. Mm. And is she being patronising? Well, maybe, right? Because, like, why would she not just call it an alethiometer? She dumbing the, it down because he's a bear. Because the I think he still gets stuff. Mm, the witches console guy called it a symbol reader, right? Somebody uh, okay. else has called it a symbol reader. At some, or maybe it was Fardacorum. It's been said before somewhere. Uh, okay. Um, maybe it's just the wanky scholars that call it the alethiometer <laughs> and everyone else is just like, maybe it's like calling, it's like, oh, my mobile telephone. <laughs> as opposed to just calling it your phone. Yeah, yeah. Like, maybe it's just calling it the, the silly name for no reason. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I, I did think when I read it though, I was like, mm, that's a bit patchy. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, and um, she asks if she tells him where the armour is, will he go go with them to Volvanga? And he's, he's just like, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. He's literally, well, he's, they had literally had a conversation earlier where he was like, this is my price. Yeah. And she's like, okay, I can meet the price. Will you still do it? He's like, yeah, I, I told I found, you that's I how much it, I got it. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, she asks why he doesn't just make more, more armour from the metal that he works with. He says, because it's worthless, look he said, and lifting the engine cover with one paw, he extended a claw on the other hand and ripped right through it like a tin opener. My armour is made of sky iron, made for me. A bear's armour is his soul, just as your demon is your soul. You might as well take him away, indicating Pantalaemon, and replace him with a doll full of sawdust. That's the difference. Now where's my armour? 
So like she's literally just like feeling sorry for him, being like, oh, he doesn't have a pan, and he's just literally told her like, I do. It's my armor. Somebody got me drunk and stole it. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. She say she basically is just like, just please, I'll tell you where it is. Just please don't reap your vengeance upon them. Yeah. <laughs> like, I also love that she calls him by his full name all the time. She yeah. just calls him Yorick Bernison, and yeah. it's really cute. She's yeah. Called Yorick. Or Mr. Benson. Mr. Wilson. Oh! Our friend's got a dog called Mr. Wilson, and you can't not call him full name Mr. Wilson. First name Mr., second name Wilson. Claire, Claire, who is the owner of the dog, calls him Wilson, and I'm like, no, it's Mr. Wilson, Mr. Claire, Wilson. you named him. Mr. He's so cute as well. He's a Cavapoo. Everyone Google Cavapoo and thank me later, because he's so cute. He's so cute. Mm. He chases a laser pointer and it breaks my heart. Oh. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> okay. Um, Yorick Bernison. Yes. Um, and... Uh, yeah, like he said, she asks him not to uh, take vengeance. And he says, fine. But if they fight, then they die. I think that's fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, if they put up a fight, I literally can't help bashing them out of the way. So <laughs> I love this. She's then She tells him where it is. She says it's in a cellar in the priest's house and that he thinks there's a spirit in it and he's been trying to conjure it out. But anyway, that's where it is. Yeah. And Yorick stands up on his hind legs and looks out to the west. And he's like, ah, I'm a bear of my word. I said I'd work till sunset. It's not set yet. And she's like, hello from down here. It's set where I am. You're eight foot tall when you stand up. Just don't stand up. And yeah. then it's definitely sunset. And he's like, oh, good point. And like runs off. It's like, bye. <laughs> I love that exchange. I'm done. <laughs> he's like, I'm so noble. And like, I stick to my word and it's not yet sunset. And then she's like, but it is for me. He's like, sweet. That's, that I'm like a loophole to me. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye-bye. I also love the bit that you mentioned where she asked him not to take vengeance and then he says, if they fight, they die. And she just doesn't even acknowledge that. She's like, cool. That's sure. fair. 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 That sounds fair. fair. <laughs> oh, God. He asks her name and tells her that he owes her a debt before he uh, runs off. And her and Pan run after him. And then Pan's a seagull again, shouting directions to Lyra, which then also makes me think, I know we said we weren't going to go into it, but it also makes me think that he's probably more than a couple of yards away from her again. He's just exactly a yard above her. And she's yeah. like, great, it's, it's not actually that much help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, Yorick runs all the way down to the harbour and the sentry, who I had to Google what that meant. It's the soldier that's in charge, basically, of the area. It runs after and fires two shots in the air. And then... He does this again later, and I'm like, stop fucking firing shots in the air. I love it. It's so dumb. Like, why? It's just, I I have a gun, I must use it. It's like, there's also, that means you've got less shots to shoot the bear with if it runs at you. It's just such a, stop firing in the air. Are you you at paintball? Like, what is your deal? (laughs) Like, why? Yeah. It literally helps nobody. It just makes a loud noise. Right. Like, and he ends up, like, skidding on the ice anyway, and he's got, he has to hold on to the rail. It sounds like quite a... I'm liking to imagine this. I think it's supposed to be like an epic bear running through the town, smashing everything up. Oh, I'm kind of imagining it with like the... <laughs> or like some little like comedy music in the yeah, background yeah. because he's like skidding all over the place, can't catch the bear. Like <laughs> It's just quite cute. Yeah. So like people are coming out of the houses to look and Lyra thinks that she saw Fardacorum, but she's too busy running. She's on her way. She can't stop. Yarrick runs into the priest's house and just fucking batters the door down. Turns into all... matchsticks. Yeah, yeah, it's all like splintered. Everything else in the house is fucked by the sound of what's going on there. Mm-hmm. The, uh, go ahead. A lady comes running oh, out with her chicken. <laughs> with her head. The poor, poor her. She was just trying to do a job. Yeah. I um, love the image of her running out the door with her handy and clicking I and flapping. Know. Like, I know. Ugh. I just feel really sorry for her. 
Yeah. And also, also, like, what could make this moment more comedy than like a flapping hen like right? running out of the door? I also like that it's a hen demon because we haven't seen really see, we haven't seen a hen demon yet. And yeah. It wasn't like there's a bunch of animals in the world that I haven't yet thought that could be demons, and hen were one of, was one of them. And I was yeah. like, oh, I'd love, love to see a hen demon. It's great. <laughs> okay, it must be a bit weird like sat around having your Sunday dinner if people are like eating a chicken and your yeah. hen demon sat there just like. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah oh god so the sentry hesitates and then sees everyone looking and fucking fires another shot in the air and then he like runs into the house which makes me think he's a fucking coward because I don't think he would have done it if there wasn't people watching and then yeah the house is shaking uh, we hear Yorick roar and then this that priest gets fucking like flung out belted out the door yeah. as if fired from a cannon the priest himself came hurtling out with his pelican demon in a wild flutter of feathers and injured pride Again, it's just so... I can only visualise it as, like, a comedy cartoon moment. Right. I, I love it. And a pelican demon, too. That's cool. Yeah. And then the police show up with a Sisselman and John Farr. There's more noise and destruction. And then fucking Yorick comes out with his armour on. Hell yeah. Ah, yeah. And it says, Without it, he was formidable. With it, he was terrifying. It was rust-red and crudely riveted together... Great sheets and plates of dented, discoloured metal that scraped and screeched as they rode over one another. The helmet was pointed like his muzzle, with slits for eyes, and it left the lower part of his jaw bare for tearing and biting. Very cool. Very cool. But also intense. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, the police shoot at him, but he just, like, fucking shakes the bullets off like raindrops, apparently. Mm. Just like, yeah, whatever. Um, Very Superman. Yeah. And he knocks the sentry to the ground. And basically, like, fucking tries to eat his head, right? Like, gets his head in his jaws. So, this really makes me think of the internet challenge that was when people were, like, handing a Labrador an egg. And they were, like, holding it really softly in their mouth. And then, like, there was loads where, like, the Labrador would, like, really naughtily be like, ha I have an egg now, and, like, run away. And they'd be trying to get it back off them. And, like, yes. the egg wouldn't break, but they'd just be, like, trying to get this egg out of his lab. Like, oh, my- Yorick is the Labrador. <laughs> the man's head is the egg. It's great. <laughs> Oh god! I mean, I realise they say that when he drops him, he's a little bit bloody. But like, but now I feel like it's cute. <laughs> it's just making this whole thing comedy or cute. That's how I'm going. But oh yeah, like, just holding this egg, like, not for not. He's not just gone chomp. He's gone. Okay, I'm just going to hold this now because yeah. this is a sufficient level of threat. Yeah. But also Labrador with an egg oh. in its mouth. Oh god, that's cuter than I thought this was going to be. Yes. <laughs> if you haven't looked at it, look at videos of people handing their dog eggs because some of them also just go, oh crunch and just crunch it up straight away and they're like that wasn't the point (laughs) and then uh lyra rushes forward and puts her hand on yorick which is very brave to say that she was terrified like 10 minutes ago of him yeah and she asks him to repay his debt now which again i know we talk a lot about how clever lyra is but it's so clever that she would think of that then yeah Um, straight off the bat yeah yeah um she asks him to repay his debt to her now by not killing the sentry also Um, quite selfless yeah right he seems like a pretty powerful dude. That yeah. deck could be pretty handy later on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. And the sentry's not exactly the best person that we've seen so far. Not that we particularly want him to die, but... No. He's a bit of an NPC at the moment. Yeah, but... <laughs> yeah. He listens to her and drops the sentry's head to the ground and he faints. But he's still alive, he's alive. Yeah, his um, demon's like licking him and being like, wake up, it's yeah. okay. <laughs> you and didn't that... get crunched. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's a nice quote here about the two, about Yorick, Pan and Lyra. And it says, no one else moved. They watched as the bear turned away from his victim at the bidding of the little girl with the cat demon. And then they shuffled aside to make room as Yorick burst and, 
padded heavily through the mist of them at Lyra's side and made for the harbour. I love that. I love that taking a moment to step out of Lyra's world or Lyra's head and Lyra's narrative to be like, yeah, but imagine this scene from the outside and this like tiny little girl literally just stops a massive armoured bear from smushing a man's yeah. head. And then like, they all walk away together. Yeah. Yeah. It's adorable. But also like, that's some like epic fantasy imagery right, right. there. And yeah. just like, it really illustrates how fucking strong Lyra is. Mm-hmm. It's so great. I love it. I think it's my, it might be my favourite quote of this this chapter. They then head for the harbour and uh, Yorick takes his helmet off um, and the Egyptians come out of the cafe to, to have a nosy at him, basically. And then he takes off the rest of his armour and he heads into the water. Lyra tells Tony Costa what happened. They're scared that the police might take his armour because he has just fucking left it there, right? He just leaves his armour oh, yeah. on the shore and they're all like, uh, the, the you police literally just here. like smashed up a joint <laughs> yeah. to get that. You just leaving it? Okay, cool. I, like, maybe Yorick just knew that even if, if they fucking attempted it again, he, he'd just fucking, you know, smash storm out. Yeah, smash yeah. him up, storm out of the water, smash him up. I think he's also going, this girl and the Egyptians have said that they want me on their side and that they'll pay me by getting me my armour, like, and I've got it. And this jetty is crowded with these people that yeah. are supposed to be on my side. I'll probs be all right. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. But it is, yeah, it's quite a leap. Like, considering how close Lyra clings to Pan when she gets him back, if they've been, like, pushing that link. Yeah. You'd think that Yorick would be like, I am not letting this out of my sight. Yeah. But no, he's he, he a confident bro. He, yeah. He got this. So John, uh, John Farr and Father Coram at the harbour now. And then, oh, this fucking bit with Lee Squalsby, man. Yeah, the, uh, the Thistle men and everyone shows up. And I think they must be, like kind of coming up and like, oh, the arm is there, Un- unattended. Let's just side up. And yeah. then Lee Scoresby sat on top of it with his gun cocked, oh. like, hand on his knee really casually. I'm, is, I assume he's smoking a cigar, I don't know. But, like, just being a badass and being like, nope, this, not yeah. today, Satan. This is the other thing as well, because remember when we watched the TV show and I was like, oh, my God, I had that epiphany that I thought, thought that Lynn was really hot as Lee Scoresby. And then reading this, I was imagining Lynn as Lee Scoresby. And I was like... I'm now in a world where Lee Scoresby can be hot and I like it. I like it a lot. I'm, I'm here for it. On board. I am <laughs> so on board. Yeah. Yeah, he basically says, like, seems to me you ain't taking very good care of my friend's armour. Why well, look at the rust and I wouldn't be surprised to find moss in it too. Now you just stand where you are, still and easy, and don't anybody move till the bear comes back with some lubrication. <laughs> oh, I guess you could all go home and read the newspaper. It's up to you. Oh, so sassy. Yeah, I love it. Yes. Yorick then... Emerges from the water, dragging a dead seal with him. Yeah, I, I kind of love this. I like bit, this bit. Weirdly, it's very keep keeping it real and like in the moment and repointing out that Yorick's a bear and like yeah. it's gonna get gory mm-hmm. and stuff. So he literally just like skins this seal like really deftly. Like he knows what he's doing. It, like chops up the blubber and like uses it to like grease and like care for his armor. However, yep. a bear goes about caring for their armor with seal blubber. It's intense. And then he just doesn't want to waste the seal and all the meat that's no. good on it. So he just slaps you? it on the back of Lee's uh, Lee's sled and he's just like, cool. Oh God. But yeah. he's just, it must just be so gruesome to watch and he's oh, just yeah. doing it. And he, I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> so good. And I also like when he comes out of the water, he shakes himself like a dog. My yeah. little shake. It's so cute. Yeah. It, fuck. We get Sorry. to see... We got overexcited. <laughs> we get to see Lee and Yorick have their first interaction that we've seen. And yeah. Yorick asks Lee if he's with these people. And Lee says, they're both employed by them. They've both been hired. And Yorick's just like, hmm. 
Again, it's the great like buddy comedy yeah. like moment. Sassy Lee and Graf Yorick, like yeah. yeah. Best and, pals. Yeah, BFFs. And then Lyra asks about the balloon again. It's still packed away, Lyra. You might get a go on it at some point, who knows? But for now, it's still <laughs> Just drop away. it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and Lee says, here comes the boss about uh, John Farr and Father Coram. And I just feel like that was funny. He's <laughs> <laughs> so cute. With the, yeah, with the Sisselman and the police as well. And then the Sisselman calls Yorick Bear, which is fucking rude. Yeah, he's got a name. He's got a name. Shorik, you know it. Shorik Bernison. Yeah. How you should full name him like Lyra does. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you deserve to do. He says he can leave with them, but he can't come back. And again, Yorick completely fucking ignores him. He's like, because it's what? the most stupid comment. Like, mate, you've got no control over the situation and you're just saying a thing to say a thing. You can leave, but you can't come back. Uh, yeah if, if you come back it. we'll get you and he's like yeah cool because i'm gonna come back to this why dump. the fuck would i come back here yeah like fucking hell. and also like you could do anything about it you've literally just seen me fight everybody off you had to get me hammered to like yeah get me stuck here in the first place Ugh. Yeah. I, I just love that he ignores it completely like he won't be riled up by it because if somebody did that to me it's like when someone's like i quit and they're like no you're fired yeah and it's like <laughs> Yeah. No, I quit. <laughs> Your sentiment is pointless because I took the control in this situation. Yeah. And that's Yorick. He's just like, no, no. I'm... He doesn't even need to acknowledge it. Exactly. If it was me, I'd be like, <laughs> have like a little freak out at them. Yeah. I know. Oh, it's yeah. so great. We love Yorick. Lyra takes note. So, like you mentioned with Yorick, like cleaning his armor with like the seal blubber and stuff, Lyra takes notice of that and it reminds her of of what he said about it being his soul and how how she would be with Pantaleon if it was that situa- if that situation arose for her. He puts his armour back on really easily. Um and then like you said, fucking flings a seal on Lee's sledge. Probably I'll be like, oh cheers, mate, yeah. I'll just carry this dead seal for you. Yeah. Yeah, he puts the the armor's like an inch thick in some places and he just throws it on like a really light raincoat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just like super chill. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Lyra is wrapped up on the back of uh, Father Coram's sledge. Bless her. She's like all wrapped up with, and you can only see her eyes and she's like, must be like super tired. And then she still asks Pan if he can see Yorick because she still wants to be like somehow like involved with what's going on. <laughs> yeah. She's like, can you see him? He's like, yeah, he's, he's, he's with Lee. Um, yeah. And then Lyra sees the Aurora again. And then this is an interesting bit because like Pan senses that there's something following them and he's like just about to fall asleep. And he's like, oh, I think there's something following. But he doesn't say it to Lyra. He's like, oh, I'll tell her when, tell her when I wake up. And he says that it looks like the monkey. It puts something swinging that puts him uneasily in mind of a monkey. I literally do not remember where this goes. I don't either. I don't know if it even comes up again. I can't. I, I can't remember what happens yeah. next. So it, this is great yeah. for me because like I've read them so many times and I just don't remember noting this phrase yeah. this turn of phrase in the books is it the little monkey prick who knows i don't even know we don't know i, I literally can't think yeah it's great yes and then that's the... i'm really enjoying that i can't remember yeah me too <laughs> and then so we'll find out next week next time but yeah that's the end of the chapter Whoa. that's how it ends i love it yeah. bit cliffhangery the next chapter is called the lost boy I really liked this chapter. I know I said last time that it was that the last chapter we did was one of my favorites of the book, and I, this one is definitely one of my favorites of the book too. Yeah, Such these two chapters—they're really strong chapters. They really yeah. drive the story forward because we go from been on a boat for a couple of chapters. She's yeah. been in hiding. It's not been 
like not a lot's happened. Yeah. To suddenly like we've got a bear and an aeronaut yeah. on our team yeah. and suddenly it's not looking like a fight. It was kind of looking like a fight we couldn't win with yeah. Egyptians and like we're a small scraggly bunch of people that are like scraggly scrappy. I think scrappy's where I was going. Yeah. Like like scrappy fighters like we're the underdogs and then suddenly now we've got this bloody massive bear mm-hmm. and we're not so much the underdogs because there's this amazing massive bear with us now yeah. which yeah. is pretty cool definitely yeah it's a great chapter and, and like lyra showing her power she yeah. like using her power which mm-hmm. is great and like her establishing establishing new relationships and new characters because i think for a long time now we've had lyra with the same people so to see her now meeting new people and how she interacts with them definitely great Do you have an award to give out? I mean, are we allowed to give awards to people more than once? Yeah. Because I've been like avoiding giving awards to certain people because I'm yeah. like, I know their time will come because no. I don't want to like double award somebody. No, but we then, don't. There's no rules. Well, obviously, no rules. it's just fucking your own isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> like, I was almost gave it to him last chapter. I was like, no, I feel like I should be like giving like an honourable mention to like the side plot characters, in mm-hmm. which case it would be Chicken Lady. Yeah. Um, hen lady but like no it's your fucking Bernison. hell yeah yeah man mine is uh, mine was also going to be hen lady but I've literally changed my mind last minute and it's going to Lee Scorsby yes. for a great introduction to a great character and also for just reminding me how hot I thought Lynn was in the TV show well nice. done well done well done guys the aeronaut and the bear yeah top, top of the game <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Her Dark Materials. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at HDMPod and you can email us at HerDarkMaterialsPod at gmail.com And we bloody love an email. We bloody love an email, especially now when everyone's self-isolating. If you want to support us, you can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash HDMPod. You can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find us. I'm Faye, and when I'm not talking about Lyra and Pan, I'm probably writing. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Fayley, which is F-A-Y-E-L-E triple Y. And if you want to read some of my blog posts, I'm on Medium at Faye.Ducker. I'm Rachel, and when I'm not here chatting to you lovely folks about demons and dust, I'm making designer toys, art and illustrations. You can find me on Instagram at RachMakes, on Twitter at Rach underscore makes, and over on my online shop, rachemakes.co.uk. A huge thank you to Johnny Knott for his musical stylings and help with navigating the scary tech stuff. We'll see you in two weeks' time. And don't forget, keep telling stories and all will be well. Take care, guys. Bye. Stay safe. Stay safe. Bye. 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 Bye.